We're going to talk about salvation today. Basic, fundamental salvation. Specifically, the Romans road to salvation. You know, so salvation. Why? Why do we need salvation? No, seriously, why? Okay. Let's take a look at scripture and see why. In Romans 5.12, it tells us, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death is by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Well, that's a big reason why right there. You know, that said, Proverbs 20, verse 9 says, Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from sin. None of us. First Yoga 9.1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, But there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of Elohim. Psalms 53.2 and 3 says, Elohim looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand that did seek Elohim. Every one of them is gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, As it is written, There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seek about the Elohim. They are, they are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that do good, no, not one. Yes, Yahoo 59, 12 through 14 says, For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against Yahoo and departing, Away from our Elohim speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Romans 6.16 tells us, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves or servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.23 teaches us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of Elohim is eternal life through Yahushua Mashiach our Adonai. Yes, Yahoo 13.11 teaches us that it says, And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. And yes, Yahoo 59.2 says, But your iniquities, but your iniquities, it is your iniquities, but your iniquities have separated between you and your Elohim. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So, before Yahshua came, there was a real problem. Can you see that? There was a real problem. Salvation was desperately needed. Because all have sinned and their sins separated them betwixt, uh, separated them from Elohim. 
and Elohim is the source of life. So therefore, if they were separated from him, they were separated from life. All was, were dead. They were like fish out the sea. They were flapping around and mouths were moving. But they were good as dead. So, as we just learned, sin separates us from Elohim. So we have people, we have Elohim, and we have this big gulf that we're going to call sin. And so this gulf, this sin, it separates us from Elohim, who is the source of life. Amen? So we have to find a way to get across this gulf over to Elohim. Where there be life. Yes. Amen? Amen. And whatever gets us across that gulf is salvation for us. It saves us. Can you see that? Yes. So, what exactly is salvation? Genesis 49 18 says, I have waited for thy salvation, O Yahuwah. This word salvation is Yah. Yahshua, number three, four, 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 speaking of something saved, deliverance. I have waited for thy Yahshua, O Yahuwah. There's also a Greek word for salvation. That's a Hebrew word. The Greek word for salvation is soteria, number 4991. And it speaks to rescue or safety, to deliver, to save. And the English definition of salvation from the Webster's 1928 dictionary, the earliest one I could find, says the act of saving. Salvation is the act of saving, preservation from destruction, from danger or calamity. So we're looking, we, we have this sin, and the sin keeps us away from Elohim. We have to find a way across this gulf of sin in order to get to Elohim, which is the source of life. Hence, we need to be saved. We need to be delivered. We need to be rescued. We need to be preserved from the destruction, the danger, and the calamity of sin. Anybody with me? What is the destruction, danger, or calamity that we're attempting to be saved from? Anybody know? <laughs> yes, yeah, sin. That was that was a good guess, but that that is not the answer. You know, um, yes, we do need to be saved from sin, but because sin is going to cause us to enter into a type of destruction, it's going to cause us to enter into danger, into a certain calamity. What was that? Shield. He's getting warmer. Pun intended. You know. <laughs> Lake of fire. Absolutely. Now you hot. <laughs> yes. Revelation two eleven says, "He that have an ear, let him hear what the Ruach saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death." That's what we need to be saved from. 
we need to be saved from the second death. Revelation 20 verse 6. It goes on to teach us. It says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they that but they shall be priests of Elohim and of Mashiach and shall reign with him a thousand years. And then 20, Revelation 20, 14 and 15 tells us, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So now we learn that the second death is the lake of fire. And the second in the second, um, the lake of fire is the second death. Amen. You know, so this is what we need to be saved from. This is why we need salvation because our sin separates us from Elohim, who is the source of the source of life. And the sin causes a gulf betwixt us and Elohim. And this gulf leads to the second death. And the second death is this lake of fire. So at the bottom of this gulf. Betwixt us and Elohim at the bottom of this gulf of sin is the lake of fire and the second death. And that's what awaits us if we're not saved. Amen. Revelation 21.8 But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. So it's very clear as to what the second death is. So hereby we can conclude two things. Firstly, that the destruction, danger, or calamity that we're seeking salvation from is the second death, which is what? Hallelujah. Absolutely. Secondly, we can conclude that if one doesn't receive the second death, they must have received eternal life. Now, it's appointed to all men to die once. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to die twice. You can be saved from the second death. And so this is what we are seeking. We're seeking salvation from the second death. So again, we have man's problem, the sin. This sin creates a gulf betwixt us and Elohim. And this gulf... You know, at the bottom of this gulf of sin is the second death, which is an eternal death. So you don't have to worry about dying the first time. You know, a lot of people worried about dying. You know, you don't have to worry about dying the first time because you're going to be resurrected. What you should be worried about is dying the second time because there is no resurrection from that from that death. There's no resurrection from the second death. Amen? Amen. And so that's the penalty of sin. Death. So we have to find our way across this gulf over here to where Elohim is, which is the source of our life. All right. Let me see if I can get some help here. Let me have my um, first reader read. The first series of uh, this, the next series of uh, passages: Luke two eight through eleven, Acts five thirty and thirty one, Yochanan four forty two, and First Yochanan four fourteen. Please. Luke two eight through two eleven, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Adonai came upon them, and the glory of the Adonai shone round about them. 
and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is the Messiah, the Adonai. Acts 5.30 and 5.31 and The Elohim of our fathers raised up Yahushua, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. He hath Elohim exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. John 4.42 And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Messiah, the Savior of the world. 1 John 4.14 And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. Alright, so we see there is hope. Amen. There is hope. Because Yah has sent us a Savior. That Savior is our Messiah, Yahushua. The son of Elohim. So we are not without hope. Amen? Amen. We are not without hope. You know, Elohim has raised us up a savior. Um, also, consider 1 John um, 3.16. For Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For Elohim sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of Elohim. Amen. Yah loves you this much. He loved you enough to send his only begotten son to die for your sins that we might have a savior. That we might have an opportunity for salvation. That we might have a way across the gulf of sin to get over to the source of life. Amen? Amen. Scripture teaches that we are saved by grace. And Yahshua came to bring that grace. But I don't want you to be misconstrued like many people in the faith into thinking that grace is just simply a free gift. Because it is not. The original term for grace from whence it was utilized back in biblical days in the time of Messiah it meant a reciprocal system of favors emphasis on reciprocal see Yahuwah Elohim sent his son to die for your sins that ye might be saved as a favor that he expects to be reciprocated. Or you can say Yahshua. Laid down his life. 
as a favor unto you. A favor that again, he expects to be reciprocated. See, this was a very big part of the culture in times past. The culture was centered around honor. But our culture isn't centered around that now today, and so people have lost the understanding of grace. And they think it's just some free gift, something that, you know, someone does without, without any expectations. And that's just simply not true. Yah did a big favor for us, and he's looking for us to reciprocate it. Amen? You know, because grace has was always a reciprocal system of favors. You know, I scratch your back and you just leave mine itching. No, that's not how the saying go. I scratch your back and you scratch mine. Reciprocal. See, and that's what grace is. And that's the type of grace we, we've been saved by. You know, so if y'all loved us that much, you know, that he sent his son to die for us and his son loved us that much that he laid down his life for us, then we ought to love them that much and lay down our lives for them. Hence, the Messiah, when he walked the earth, he would say, you know, for those who seek to save their lives shall lose them and those who lose them for his name's sake shall save them. Yep. Say that fast five times. Mm. So you see, what Yahshua done at Calvary bridged the gulf betwixt man and Elohim. And so now we have a way across the gulf of sin to get over to Elohim, the source of life. Now we have an opportunity for salvation. Can you see that? All right, can everybody be saved? Who can be saved? Can some people be saved? Can the men in white be saved or only the men in red be saved? Let's go to scripture and see what it says. First Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Mashiach, Yahushua, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Okay, so now we're talking about some sinners. Yahushua came to save sinners. All right. Okay. Second Peter 3 9. The Adonai is not slack concerning this promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mm, okay. All right. So he don't want any to perish. Luke 19, 9 and 10, and Yahushua said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Okay, so it sounds like, you know, sons of Abraham, it plays, a, plays an important part in those which are, are lost. Yochanan 3, 16 and 17, For Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For Elohim sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So it looked like he came to save the world. Yochanan 1232, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This is Yahshua's words. He says, all men. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our, of Elohim, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So I think this is pretty clear as to who can be saved. Who salvation is for. It's even for all men. For all the world. Amen. But we'll all be saved. He came to save everyone. So there's no excuse for no one. Not to be saved. But we'll all be saved. Will everyone. Will the whole world be saved. Because he done this act. Well let's consider what. Our Messiah says himself and found in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. In fact, he goes on to say, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Whoa. So, hereby we learn that even though Yah's intention was for none to, none to be lost, his intention is for all men to be saved, we learn here that all men won't be saved. So all men has the possibility, they have the possibility of salvation, but all men won't be saved. Yahshua tells us not everyone, not those that work iniquity, he would tell to depart from him. Not those that don't do the will of his father, but he that doeth the will of his father. Also consider Luke 13, 24 through 28, it says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Woo! So now, we're getting to the crux of the matter. He says, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. So, but now Luke tells us, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. This word, many, is actually polus, if I'm not um, mistaken. I'm pretty certain it's polus. And it means mostly all. Verse 25 goes on to say, When once the master of the house is risen up and have shut, shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and knock at the door and say, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence. And thou hast taught in our streets, but he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Yisak and Yaakov and all the prophets in the kingdom of Elohim and you yourselves thrust out. Mm. You don't want to be with that lot, now do you? 
So we see that salvation have come to the world, but not all the world shall be saved, even though it's Yah's intention, it's his will that everyone be saved. Many won't. And it's pretty clear to see that they won't because they won't do the will of his father. It's pretty to see that they won't because they're workers of iniquity. See, in both places, he tells them to depart because they were workers of iniquity. What is iniquity? Transgression of Torah. First, chapter 9, 3, 4. Let us consider Matthew Yahoo 25, 1 through 12. I'll get my next reader to read Matthew Yahoo 25, 1 through 12, please. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegrooms tarried. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye in out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to sell them, that you might buy yourselves. And they went to buy, and the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in him in marriage and the door was shut afterward also the virgins saying Yahuwah Yahuwah open to us but he answered and said verily I say unto you I know you not hallelujah hallelujah you know so here it is he didn't know see there's a lot of people running around saying that they know Yah but Yah don't know them you know, it's just like if you walk up to the average person and you say, hey, you know Michael Jordan? They, yeah, I know Michael Jordan. You know, uh, the basketball player? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know him? Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Um, what, what, what about him? Well, where do you live? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, you got his number? Can you call him? Well, nah. Well, I thought you knew him. Well, I, 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 they start Iken. No. You don't know him. You know, and it's the same, that's the same way people, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, you know. No, you don't. You really don't. You don't call him. You don't know where he live. You don't have no relationship with him. You really don't know. And he don't know you. And so you're going to be with this lot that we keep reading about, where he keeps saying, I know you not. We don't want to be in that lot. Amen? Amen. So we better learn the way to salvation. You know, now, we're going to talk about the way to salvation. Now, essentially, there are two ways to salvation. You know, well, really, there's only one way, but there's two. That's <coughs> two ways purported. You know, 
Matthew Yahoo 7, 13 through 14 speaks about two gates, two ways, if you would. Mm -hmm. Two gates and two ways. Now the question is, if you went through any other gates and got in and are traveling any other ways, but well, some people aren't. Some people didn't go through either gate and are traveling either way. But then there's a lot of, I like to call them, would-be believers that are traveling one way or the other. And I say would-be believers because many of them would be believers if they only knew what to believe. But they don't believe because they haven't been taught what to believe. Or more so, they've been mistaught what to believe. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the narrow and the wide gates. And the narrow way that leadeth unto life and the wide, the broad way that leadeth unto destruction. So which way are you on? Are you on the narrow way or the broad way? Well, preferably by the end of this lesson, you will know which one you are on. If you took this road to salvation, I have bad news for you. But I also have some good news. All is not lost. You can always turn around and go back to that narrow, that straight gate in that narrow way. But this road, if you found yourself on this road, if you're passing markers that look like this, then you went through the wide gate and you're traveling the broad way that leads to destruction. See, this is the Romans road to salvation. It goes something like this. You know, one would take you to Romans 3.23 where it says we are all sinners by nature and by choice. You know, they'll take you over to Romans 6.23 says we receive eternal life as a free gift. They'll take you over to Romans 5.8. Elohim demonstrated his love for us, his enemies. You know, they'll take you to Romans 10.9 and 10. We trust and surrender to Jesus as Lord. They'll take you over to Romans 10, 13. It says our assurance of salvation through Jesus. You know, and they'll take you to Romans 10, 13 to, to validify that. The crux of this Romans road to salvation is Romans 10, 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 says if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And they take people there. Then they read verse 10 and they say, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then they'll take you by the hand. And they'll say, Say this prayer with me. Say, What prayer? Well, this is the sinner's prayer. And they'll say, Heavenly Father. 
I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross at Calvary, that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins and will worship you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I am born again and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. And then they'll tell you, sinner, you are now saved. And then that's when I step in and say, warning. <laughs> warning. Warning, Will Rogers. Warning. Beware of those who rest or twist and pervert the scriptures. See, 2 Kephas 3.16 says, as also in all his... His epistles, speaking of Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. See, this is where the Romans road came from. It came from the resting and twisting and perverting of the scriptures to one's own demise. So we're going to take a closer look at this Romans road. Because it don't lead to salvation. So let us consider. Romans 10, 9, it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Adonai Yahushua, and shalt believe in thine heart that Elohim have raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, just think about that for a minute. We're not even going to deal with verse 9. We're just going to deal with verse 10. This is a big little word. Unto, that's a big little word. It's east. In the Greek, number 15, 19, it means to or into. It means towards, towards something, you know. And in Webster's, it speaks to, excuse me, um, oh, that's theirs. And then it means unto or until, you know, until or till, you know. And that's uh, um, maybe Westcott, I can't remember, uh, another lexicon. So, if anyone has eyes to see, this isn't where the road to salvation ends. Rather, it's where it begins. It begins with confession and belief. So, what Romans 10, 9 is saying, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Adonai Yahushua shall believe in thine heart that Elohim hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Facts. Okay. Verse 10, though, says, For with the heart man believeth unto, that is, into righteousness. Towards righteousness. Into righteousness. Towards righteousness. If you got to go into something, or you got to go to something, or you got to go towards something, then that means you're not there yet. Right. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. If your parents sent you to the store... 
then you still have to travel to get there, don't you? And once you start traveling, you're just going towards the store. You're not there yet. Can you see that? So, this isn't where the journey ends. It's where it begins. This is just the beginning. But they teach us the end. Yochanan 10, 7 through 11 says, Then said Yahushua unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Yeah. Hallelujah. See, Yahshua, he is the door to the sheepfold. And he's watching over his. And his know his voice and will not listen to another. James. 219, thou believest that there is one Elohim, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Just because you believe, that's not, that's not the end all be all. Even the devils believe. And tremble. They afraid. But they still devils and they still gonna get what's coming to them. Consider Mark 5, 2 through 7, it says, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tomb a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Yahushua afar off, he ran and worshipped him. This is the unclean spirit. He ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Yahushua, thou son of the most high Elohim? Hallelujah. I adjure thee by Elohim that thou torment me not. Even the devils believe in trouble. But that's not going to get them saved. Luke 4, 33 and 34. And in the synagogue there was a man. Which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And cried out with a loud voice. Hold up. Wait. Hold it. Stop. Where was this guy at? In the synagogue. What's a synagogue? You mean unclean spirits up in the church? You mean devils go to church too? You got to be kidding me. But that's sure enough what it says. So I guess we can't refute it. You know, verse 34 goes on to say, saying, let us alone. What? Let us? He wasn't by himself, was he? Let us alone what have we to do with thee, thou Yahushua of Nazareth. 
Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of Elohim. Can't you see just believing is not enough? Can't you see devils up in the church too? <laughs> he was he was representing for everybody that was up in there. <laughs> it said there was a man, but when 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 the unclean when the unclean devil started talking, he started talking in plurality. He said, "Art thou come to destroy us? <laughs> we know who you are." <laughs> Seriously, like. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, devil is a lie. You know? <laughs> yeah, y'all better be careful. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you. They, 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 they up in there. <laughs> uh, all right. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore Elohim have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Yahushua, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Yahushua Mashiach is out and I to the glory of Elohim the Father. See, we hereby also learn that every knee will bow. It doesn't matter what nobody think right now. You know, you can think, you can believe, you don't have to believe. It's up to you. But eventually, every knee will bow. Everyone will worship at the name of Yahushua as Adonai, and every tongue will confess it as well. Again, does this mean everyone will be saved? Absolutely not. There are many things wrong with the Romans' road to salvation. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Now, once they get the sinner saved, they like to tell them, once saved, always saved. They like to say, now that you saved, you good. You can go on being the happy heathen that you were before we said the sinner's prayer. You know, now you are made justified in the eyes of Elohim. Oh, I'm sorry, in the eyes of God. And, you know, now you are saved. And you will always be saved. You know, now just make sure you pay your tithe on the way out. You know, this is another lie from the pit of Hades. Is once saved, always saved biblical? It absolutely is not. No, that is not in the Bible. Final answer. James 5, 10 and 11 says, Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Adonai for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Adonai. That the Adonai is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Now, here it is. Yaakov or James is telling us to look into the prophets as an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. He says, we count them happy which endure. So what does that say about those who don't endure? Are they still going to be counted happy? No, they're going to be some sad folk. Matthew Yahoo 24, 11 through 13, and many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. 
Well, well, I know that's a crazy question, but what if they didn't endure to the end? Would they still be saved? Come on, surely you can see that if they didn't endure to the end, they won't be saved. Because he says, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. That being the same one that endured. So if you, the one that didn't endure, they won't be saved. Even if they said the sinner's prayer, they won't be saved. Mark 13, 12 and 13. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death. And the father, the son, the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Well, again, what if you're not hated of all men for his name's sake? What if you don't endure? You think you're still going to be saved? You absolutely won't. I don't care how many sinners' prayers you said. I don't care how hard you believe and how many times you don't confess that Yahshua is out and out. You won't be saved. Another thing they tell you is Messiah is the end of Torah. <coughs> Romans 10.4. Romans 10, 1 through 3 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Elohim for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of Elohim, but not according to knowledge. How many of you know you can be zealous for Yah, but ignorantly jealous, um, zealous for Yah? Verse 3 says, For they, being ignorant of Elohim's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Elohim. That's a lot of righteousness talk being talked about up there. I hope y'all caught all that. See, because first off, it's important to understand that Paul is referencing three types of righteousness within this passage. He speaks of Elohim's righteousness. Their own righteousness and the righteousness of Elohim. Wait a minute, Pastor Obadiah, you just said Elohim's righteousness. Yeah, Elohim's righteousness and the righteousness of Elohim, two different righteousnesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll see. Hold on. Paul is teaching that Israel was ignorant, i.e. have a lack of knowledge or understanding. You know, he was just teaching Israel didn't understand. They had a lack of knowledge. Um, or understanding of Elohim's righteousness. Elohim's righteousness is the written law, i.e. the first Torah. It was and is Yah's righteousness in which they were ignorant of. So this is what he's talking about with this first righteousness where he says they're ignorant of Elohim's righteousness. He's saying that they, didn't, they don't have an understanding of Elohim's righteousness. 
What is Elohim's righteousness? Deuteronomy 6, 24 and 25 makes it clear. It says, And Yahuwah commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahuwah our Elohim for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahuwah our Elohim as he has commanded us. So, these commandments was Elohim's righteousness. Can you see that? Yeah. Also consider Tehillim. Yeah, he over there now. <laughs> 119, 172, it says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. So, again, we see that Yah's commandments are his righteousness. Can you see that? So this is the first righteousness that Paul was talking about when he said they're being ignorant of Elohim's righteousness. He was talking about they're being ignorant of the commandments of Elohim, of Torah, the first Torah, the written word, the written law that Elohim gave. Amen? Okay, then he goes on to talk about another righteousness. He says, and going about to establish their own righteousness. Now, Paul is now making reference to the second Torah, i.e. the oral law, which is established by the rabbis and elders throughout Israel's generations. Yahushua also made reference to both Torahs or laws. You know, you know so like Paul is speaking about here, when he's talking about going about to establish their own righteousness, Paul is making reference to the second Torah. Yes, there are two Torahs. Whenever you speak to, um, this is to understand that every ancient Israelite had, or even the present day Yahudim, you know, they recognize and understand that there are two Torahs. There's the written Torah, you know, and there's the oral Torah. You know, the written Torah is the first Torah, the oral Torah is the second Torah. You know, the oral law, which was and is established by the rabbis and elders throughout Israel's generations, is what they call the Talmud, the Mishnah, you know, and these other writings that, that they um, adhere to today. Now, Yahushua, when he walked the earth, he made reference to both of them. You know, and so let's consider that. Matthew Yahoo 23, 2-4, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moshe's seat. All, therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe that... That observed and do. Hello, written Torah. Commandments of Elohim. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. Hello, oral Torah. Second Torah. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Hypocrites. So you see, Yahshua is acknowledging both Torahs. Amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls was found a scroll called MQMMT, an acronym from the Hebrew words Misquat Maaseh Ha Torah, i.e., the same phrase that Paul uses in Romans and Galatians when it speaks of the works or the deeds of the law. It's imperative that one understands 
that to the Israelites, the ancient Israelites and the Yahudim of yesterday, as well as the Yahudim today, Torah always had two inseparable parts, the written and the oral. Additionally, we learn from 4QNMT that the Yahudim did in fact hold to the doctrine in which Apostle Paul is disputing in Romans 10, i.e. that one keeping these works of the law, that is the oral Torah, was reckoned righteous by them. This was their belief. See, this is why Paul is saying what he's saying. But because people rest, wrestle with his writings and don't understand, don't fully understand, they're ignorant. You know, they take it and twist it and say, oh, you know, Yah's law is done away with. You don't have to. It's okay to murder, I guess. You know, because that was part of Yah's um, written Torah. You know, it's okay to lie. It's okay to commit adultery. You know, all, all this, these, it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods now, huh? All this stuff is, is done away with, huh? Mm -hmm. That's ludicrous. Right. Mm. You know, and that is not what y'all meant. That is just simply ignorance. Right. Mm. You know, so this document actually proves that. It proves what, what Paul was talking about when he was talking about the works of the law. Yep. You know, and it proves that their beliefs was that if they adhered or did the works of the law, this is what brought them their salvation. Because Yahshua hadn't even came yet. You understand? Yep. So this was their way across that gulf. That gulf of sin. But it didn't work. That's why Yahshua had to come. You know, but this proves that this is what they meant and this is what they believed consider this document in, in section 7 it says now we have written to you some of the works of the law those which we determined would be beneficial for you and your people because we have seen that you possess inside knowledge of the law understand and we, we should say oral law some of the works of the oral law we see you possess insight and knowledge of the oral law. Understand all these things and beseech him to set your counsel straight and so keep you away from evil thoughts in the counsel of Belial. Hmm. Then you shall rejoice at the end time when you find the essence of our words to be true. And it will be reckoned to you as righteousness. It's right there. This is what they believe. They believe that these works were their righteousness and that you have done that what is right and good before him to your own benefit and to that of Israel. This is why Yahshua says in Matthew Yahu 520, he says, for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees and exceed the oral law, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Can you see that? Yes. See, but ignorance of minds today. People don't have this understanding. Even though it's made available now today. For a while it wasn't, but the Dead Sea Scrolls made it available. Consider Colossians 2, 8 through 14. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Hello, oral law. After the rudiments of the world 
and not after the Mashiach. The rudiments of the world. Hello, paganism. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the L head bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Mashiach, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of Elohim, who have raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, having quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Blotting out that handwriting of ordinances. Hello, Orlah. Hello, second Torah. Blotting out all the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. This word ordinances is dogma. Number 1378 means a law. From number 1380 means to think the opinion of men. Doctrines of men. Decrees of men. Just think about it. Why would Yah give Israel something against them? Contrary to them. He didn't. The written Torah, the first Torah, his commandments are not against man in no way, shape, or form. They're not against Israel in no way, shape, or form. Hence, they are like him, eternal. They don't go away. Matthew, Yahoo, 15, 1 through 9, then came Yahushua's then came to Yahushua scribes and Pharisees which were in Jerusalem saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Hello, or Allah. For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of Elohim? Hello, written law. Torah. Why do ye also transgress the commandment of Elohim by your tradition? So in other words, he's saying, why do thy disciples transgress? They're asking him, the Pharisees asking him, why do the disciples transgress the oral law? And he's replying, why do ye transgress the written law of Elohim by your oral law? Verse 4, for Elohim commanded, saying, honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die to death. Written law. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father or mother, he shall be free. Oral law. Thus have ye made the commandment of Elohim, the written law of Elohim, of none effect by your tradition, your oral law. Ye hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honor of me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Oral law. See, there's a first Torah, and there's a second Torah. There's a first written law, and there's a second oral law. And so when the scripture speaks about 
the law being done away with is not talking about the written law. It's talking about the oral law that was against the written law and against men. Romans 10.3 spoke about a third law. It says, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Elohim. Now this righteousness, righteousness of Elohim is different than the Elohim's righteousness he began to speak about in the first, at, in the first um, part of this passage, of this verse. It wouldn't make any sense to mention all three of these if they were all the same. That would be redundant. He's speaking to three different righteousness. Elohim's righteousness, their own righteousness, and the righteousness of Elohim. See, this righteousness of Elohim, not Elohim's righteousness, but this righteousness of Elohim was prophesied to come. It was prophesied to come. The righteousness of Elohim that they not submitted themselves to speak to the righteousness of Yahushua. Consider Yeshayahu 46, 11 through 13. He says, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted. That are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not tarry. And I will place salvation in Zion. For Israel my glory. Speaking about Yahushua. Before he even came. That's called prophecy. Also consider Yahu 56.1. Thus saith Yahuwah, keep ye judgment and do justice for my salvation, my Yahshua. Number 3444 in the um, Strong's is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. See, Yahushua was the righteousness of Elohim that was to be revealed. That was prophesied to come and be revealed Years and years, hundreds of years, even before he came. Romans 10.4 goes on to say, For Mashiach is the end of the oral Torah. It says the law, but it's speaking to the oral Torah for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You know, but people take this. And they say, oh, see, that's from, uh, from Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Well, we, I believe, you believe. Okay, so the law done away with. No, it's not. It's speaking about the oral law. The second Torah, not the first, not the written Torah. Yahshua has revealed the righteousness of Elohim within his commandments, words, and sayings. This is what the world was waiting for. This is the bridge that gets you across the gulf of sin. Ma Consider Matthew Yahoo 5.17. Yahshua himself, quoting his own very own words, says, Think not, think not. That's a command. That's a directive. Think not 
that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not to come to destroy but to fulfill. How can you read this and then turn around and say, the law done away with? You're doing exactly what he told you not to do. You're thinking that he came to destroy the law when he didn't. He came to destroy the oral law, the second Torah, the commandments of men. Not that which his father commanded. Think about it. Selah. Hence, Yahshua told us in Matthew Yahoo 7, 15 and 16, he said, beware of the false prophets. That's why you believe what you believe. Because you wasn't being aware of the false prophets who came to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Well, how can we know? Well, he tells you. You will know them by their fruits. Right. <laughs> You'll know them by their fruits. Now, I didn't say how cute. I said fruits. Mm -hmm. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It gives us the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, selfish ambitions, heresies, murders, revelries, drunkenness, envy, Dissensions, outbursts of wrath, contentions, sorcery, licentiousness. You know, these are the things, these are the works of the flesh. If you see these things in, in your so-called man of God, run. These aren't the fruits. But the fruits are found in verses 22 through 23. They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You should know them by their fruits. What do we find within the modern day churches? You know, uh, 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 hold on, hold on. I think I saw one. Is, is that one of them devils? No, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'm seeing things. You know. Yeah, this was... Uh, Bishop Eddie Long, he, he's no longer with us. He was still around when I originally made this lesson, though. <coughs> so that's why I put him on blast. Hmm. Because he was accused by four young men in this congregation, you know, saying that, you know, he was on that homosexual stuff. I'm just putting it like that. He denied it. Hmm. But his pictures like this floating around of him and his friends. It's kind of hard to believe them when you, you know, you see stuff like this. You know, yeah, I, I did see the shirt. Mm -hmm. You know, but he got his cross on. See, it's a cross on the shirt. But he saved though. And no matter what you do or what he say, or what he do, no matter he, he hugged up with a transvestite, He's still saved. He always going to be saved. Let him tell it. Now, I'm not saying the allegations were true. I'm just saying there's <coughs> evidence that support what the young man was saying. And this was, uh, what is it, Jim Baker? 
Yeah, I think that's John Baker. You know, him and his wife, they they swindled the church out of like 158 million or something. Mm -hmm. Some crazy number. And um, <laughs> I forgot this guy's name, but uh, Popoff, I think. Popoff. Popoff or something, Pop -off, something like that. You know, but uh, yeah, he was. Um, he, he was in some scandalous stuff too, you know. This guy, he had a congregation, you know, like 26,000, you know, um, the largest church in this state, I think it was Oklahoma or something, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, he wasn't right either. You know, he was caught in a dastardly deed. You know, this actually looked like a mug shot, like this straight from the police station. But, um, you know, he was another big time, you know, minister. You know, and yeah, yeah, he got caught up in, in some mess. And he had two very well-known um, black ministers, you know, Juanita Bynum and her ex-husband, you know, never mind, y'all hates divorce. They didn't, you know, um, and so they, they got one, you know, and, you know, she admitted herself that she had homosexual affairs, you know, so I can see why the marriage may not have lasted, you know, uh, but that's what we're looking at today, you know, that's, those aren't the, those aren't the, the, um, the devils in the church. Those are the ones running the church. All of them have mega churches. Thousands of members. Collectively, they have well over 100,000 um, members. So, Yahshua says, Beware the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. Ye should know them by their fruits. Not how sharp they dress, not how charismatic they are, you know, not how articulate they are, not how well they teach, you know, not how well that they do anything is by their fruit. Mark 4, 18 and 19 said, These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. They didn't all start out bad, but they got corrupted along the way. Second Kephas 2, 1-3, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there should be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring damnable heresies, even denying the Adonai that brought them, and bring upon them swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they be famed with words, shall with famed words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Verses 12 through 15, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. Just like they do with Paul's writings. 
and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they counted pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves and with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart, they have exercise with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. They even had their own gospel. You know, they even had their own gospel that is very diverse from Yah's gospel. You know, and uh, I just say, you know, beware. We're going to stop right here because I'm tired of talking. Oh, Seems okay. like I've been talking forever. You know, and um, yeah, I think this is a good place to break.